Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are Hey, God is good. All the time. Man, I, I really feel so comfortable today, and I love when God's presence is, is just, when we gather like this, and his presence is so evident um, together when we're here, and um, I'm excited um, just to share my heart ending the year and coming into the new year. You know, most of this, I'm going to be very honest, um, most of this that I'm going to share today, most of this that I'm going to share today um, is, is, is important because what happens is when you have an end of the year service and then you have a, or a new year service, a lot of times pastors kind of say, this is the vision, right, going into the new year. But if you're, if you're of this house, I feel like um, we've been preaching the vision already for months. And um, we've been declaring and speaking about a harvest. And, and the harvest is that of a spiritual awakening. That's why we have the freedom to dance the way we danced. Because we're believing in a harvest of a spiritual awakening. We're believing that dead becomes alive, that sleepy becomes awake again. And we're believing that in our very internal being. We're believing that for our spiritual man. We don't want to be Christians. We don't want the declaration of Christianity while yet being recognized as dead man's bones. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? I want that when someone sees me. You remember like when Moses came down from the mountain to, to, to come and speak to the Israelites? It says that his face shone with glory. Amen. And the people were freaked out because the glory of the Lord was upon Moses' face. He had to wear like a veil and stuff. That's crazy. And I almost feel like, well, that's exactly what God's calling us to be. He's calling us with unveiled faces to take off the veil and to... To shine forth the glory of the Lord. There's no way that will be true if I'm just dead man's bones declaring Christ in me. You know, I, that's why I said what I said and, and it's no disrespect to any of you or, or to our church or to any other church. Because really I wasn't thinking of any other church when I said it. When I say we're not trying to be cool, to be honest with you, we're just trying to stay alive. And when we're trying to find that place of alive and, and we want to... We we want to grow roots in the place of where I'm most alive in. Meaning, I'm alive here and I don't want to ever leave from being at this place of being alive here. So, what am I going to do? I'm going to grow roots in the place where I'm most alive at. How many of you could say amen? So, there's a lot going on in, in our hearts uh, here and in my heart for the new year and ending off this year. But I want to say this. I wrote this down and I want to share this with you before as we get into the message, and it's this, that a harvest of a spiritual awakening, it, it maintains or it grows deeper roots in the faithful living of not losing sight of the love of Christ. Because that is a, a theme that God has been stirring in my heart, a, a, a phrase that he's been stirring. And if you've been coming to church, and especially I've been, I have been waiting, to, I've been waiting to, uh, to say it on Sundays. I haven't said it yet on Sundays. But what I have been letting it go lately is on Wednesdays. I feel like those Wednesdays groups and the people that come, 
it's something special that's happening with that group. I have no idea what God has in store with that group, but I almost feel like, like God just is, is doing something special with that Wednesday group, and it's, and it's sad because it should be all of us, but, but there's something very, very special and intimate and yet supernatural that is happening here on Wednesday nights. And one of the things that I've been, that I've been um, releasing on Wednesday nights is this not losing sight of the love of Christ. And, and, I, and I've been sharing with them that that's been on my heart as we've been on spiritual awakening, as we've been on harvest. That if I'm going to set roots in, in this harvest of spiritual awakening, that, that, that is going to be found in, in, my, in my perspective, in what my eyes are on, in, in what my life is focused on. And it's constantly and it's faithfully has to be focused and set on the love of Christ for me. Because if I truly understand the love of Christ for me, Nothing can separate me from that love. And, and I feel like that's the place where I become alive at. That's the place where I want to I set roots and grow in. And, and that's kind of what we're talking about. So this is what I'm going to do. There's a message that I prepared. And um, it, it really, I guess we could call it a message, but it's really what God was, I was just writing and writing and writing and writing. And, and I'm going to wait to preach that one. Because I want to start off somewhere. Before we get to that, I believe that today, next Sunday, what's going to be preached next Sunday. And then the Sunday after that, if God allows, I'm going to preach that message that I'm dying to preach to you guys. And it still continues with don't lose sight of the love of Christ. It'll be either part two or part three, but, but it's going to be this, the heart of what God is speaking to us. So what, I'm, what I want to do today is I want to start where the Wednesday group kind of heard me about a month ago or whatnot, or a few weeks ago, when I, when I, when I stayed on 1 John. If, if you have your Bibles, open up to 1 John chapter 2. And I, and I, was, able to share, I was able to share some of this with, with the group that comes on Wednesday. And um, I kind of want to restate it again. And, and the only reason why I find it fitting for where we're heading now towards the new year as we continue on the harvest of spiritual awakening, as we continue with this message that God is stirring in us about this, this don't lose sight, don't lose sight. Say it with me, don't lose sight. Sometimes there's something special when you say it, right? Don't lose sight of the love of Christ. So because of that, I'm going to repeat this. Something's added and stuff like that, and God's always different. When, when, when we speak it, he does something new. But, but I want to continue, and I want to share... Um, 1 John again, uh, chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. And I might move around later on in this message, um, but this is pretty much like an introduction to what will be going on in the new year. But, but just follow along with me. 1 John chapter 2, are we all there? Yes. All right, go to verse 1 with me, and we're going to just go ahead and read verse 1 through 8, and then we'll break it down a little bit. Hallelujah. It says here, <clears throat> my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. I'm reading from the NLT today. Verse 2. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of the world. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments. That person is a liar and is not living in the truth. Verse 5, but those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. And this is how we know we are living in him. 
Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. It's pretty high standard, right? <laughs> That's crazy. Let's just do seven and eight. Because really I could read all the way through. <clears throat> Man, my throat today. All the way to the end of chapter two. But let's read seven and eight. Dear friends, I'm not right. So remember this, okay? This, new, this commandment. This commandment. You want to know if you obey his commandments? If you claim you, you know him, then you obey his commandments. So what's this commandment? Verse seven. Dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment for you. But rather, it's an old one that you have had from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another in the same, in, is the same message that you heard before. Yet it is also new. Because Jesus lived this truth of this commandment and you also are living it. For the darkness is disappearing and the true light is already shining. How many of you can say amen? amen. Beautiful passage. <clears throat> Beautiful letter. Um, but as we, as we read this, 1 John chapter 2, 1 through 8, and, and, and we, we stay on this don't lose sight of Christ's love. Don't lose sight of the love of Christ. I feel that verses 1 and 2 are so important. And I feel they're important, especially on this don't lose sight of the love of Christ thought. Because verse 1 and 2 says this, and I'm going to read it one more time. My children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. That you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, there's an advocate. And he pleads our case before the Father. And this advocate is Jesus Christ, who is truly righteous. Okay, you guys are with me, right? And this advocate, who is Jesus Christ, who is righteous, verse 2, he himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. Do you remember what he first said? If any of you do sin, know that there is one that atones for our sin, if you do sin, which I think we could all answer that. We do sin. But not only is it your sin that he atones for, but it's also the sin of the what? Of the whole world. Yeah. Now, you know, we, we, read these, we read this passage and we read these verses and sometimes we have to stop and chew on it and talk about it and discuss it. Because if I keep my mind, I believe this, if I keep my mind, if I keep my heart on this right here, on this, I can't lose sight of this stuff. I can't lose sight on the love of Christ. It's, it's going to be in my life, especially entering the new year, entering this new year, it's going to be the foundation of everything that my life is built upon. Everything on what 2018 is built upon. Some of you guys are wishing for something in 2018, right? Some of you guys are waiting for something maybe in 2018. Some of you guys are praying for something specifically now for 2018, right? Did you fall under, under any of those categories? Well, if you stay focused on this thing right here, on not losing sight on his love, that is so important in, in the sense of it being the foundation on whatever it is that you're looking, praying, and seeking for for this new year. That, that it would be found that it would be found or that it would fall upon you. Listen to this. That it would fall upon you on, in your place of, of, of falling deeper into his love. I'm not searching what I'm praying for. I am, I, am, I am lost in his love for me. And in that, what I've searched for comes to pass in my life. There's, there's a, man, there's something about living like that. You guys see? Because what happens is, if we search for what we're asking and what we're seeking and what we're praying for, I'm not saying we can or we do, 
but it could very easily become an idol in our lives. So we have to start the new year saying, I'm not going to run towards that. I'm going to continue to bear roots into this thing. And I'm not going to lose sight on his love for me. And if that's his perfect will, then that which is a desire in my heart in his perfect timing will come to place. But I can't lose the most important thing, the love of Christ. How many of you can say amen? So that could be the foundation of everything that my life is built on, especially 2018 as we're heading it. It could be the focal point of every day. Listen, it could be the joy and it could be the peace within every single moment. Do not raise your hands. But many of us in here lack peace. Many of in here are struggling with anxiety. Many of here, our chest is weighed down. It's caving in on us. Not all of you, but there might be some of you in here. Okay? And you're, you're caved in. And to breathe is difficult for you. It's heavy. You guys understand me? When you come to the place of the love of Christ in your life, that now the joy and peace within you would be evident and would become fruitful in you because you live in a place of his love pours out on me. So what healed you from your cave, from your chest caving in, from your stress, pain, anxiety? I'm lost in his love. That's a great way to start 2018, isn't it? Don't lose sight. Say it again with me. Don't lose sight. And I believe that's what he wants us to continue. You know, you want a spiritual awakening, you want this harvest. Don't lose sight because it's a process. It's a process. It's a process. I I love how John, he writes this. Let's get into this. He says, I'm writing this so that you won't what? What does he say? I'm writing this. Go back to verse, uh, uh, you tell me. (laughs) Okay, verse one. I'm writing this so that you don't what? Mm -hmm. I'm writing this so that you don't sin. I I love that he says that. I'm writing this so that you don't sin. And I I believe he's saying this. I'm writing this so that you don't depart from what is truth. I'm writing this so that you don't sin. If you're taking notes, you could also write this down. I'm writing this so that you don't depart from what is truth. Because we, if you've studied the word of God, you know that the definition of sin is what? It's separation from what? Good. God. Now, there are acts of sin, right? You probably could name many of them. But the acts of sin, the acts of sin are sin because of the fact that it separates you from God. You guys see what I'm saying? So, so that's why I said what you want, what you seek, what you desire, what you're praying for, it's not a bad thing. It's probably a great thing. But what I'm trying to tell you is if that thing becomes an idol, it could very easily now, that thing which was meant to be good in your life can now become very bad in your life. It becomes an idol. And now it causes you to sin. How? Because all it did was separate you from God. It's like the person that wants to get married gets married and then stops coming to church. You prayed for the spouse, you got the spouse, and then you stopped coming to church. What happened? Well, wow, why did you get, should have just stayed single. You guys, see what I'm saying? And, and these, are, these are things that happen very, very common with, within our lives in Christianity. And I want to make sure that we understand this, that sin is what? Write it down in your notes. Is separation from what? 
So I'm writing this so that you won't sin. I'm writing this so you don't depart from what is truth. Because we know that God is truth. All that is truth is of God. So if we separate from God, which is sin, then we're also separating from what? Truth. Separation from God is separating from truth. That is why when we are distant from truth, let's, let's, let's substitute that for a second. That is why when we are distant from God, we start believing the what? The lies that other people speak into us or the lies of this world or the lies that we ourselves speak to ourselves. And we say, and who in the world said that to you? And you begin to believe things that, that you're now in that you would have never believed in when you were over there. And the only reason why you begin to believe lies over your life is because you stopped living in the presence of truth. Are you guys with me? I need to make sure I built this foundation because this might become your best year yet. <laughs> okay, so, so, 20, so 2017, right? Let's not even do that. That's so cliche. All right, so this, this truth, this God, okay, I got to stay in truth. Don't lose sight of it because I recognize that when I, I lose sight of this I'm a mess and a wretched mess I start believing things about myself that are not even true I start believing things about my marriage that are not even true I start believing things about my kids that are not even true I start believing things about my family that are not even true I start believing things about, I, I spoke about finances earlier. I start speaking, and that's probably one of the things that stresses out the most, right? I, I, I start believing in things about finances that are not even true. And then when I evaluate myself and say, why am I thinking so much on this stuff? And I do a deep evaluation. I know why. Because I lost sight of truth. I lost sight of his love for me. I lost sight of that presence. Are you with me? That is key. That is important. So, so make sure you understand this. I love Corey Ten Boom, what she says. She says this, you can never learn, you can never learn that Christ is all you need until Christ is all you have. So good. Depart from what? Well, if I do depart, everyone say if I do. Good. I, notice I said if I do. Because I will not profess over your life when you do on this one. I'm not going to say when you do. No, I'm going to say if you do, though. Okay, if you do. Listen to this. If you do, very important. If you do. Let's go ahead back and read it. But if anyone does sin, if you do, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He's Christ Jesus, the one who's truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. Not only our sins, but the sins of this world. If I do sin, if I do sin, then I could do what? I could remember Jesus. Because why? Why would I remember Jesus? Because John tells me in this passage that Jesus is also my what? My advocate. What does my advocate mean? He is my, my public support system. He is my public support before the Father's throne that pleads my case. Because the Bible teaches us that when we sin, we separate ourselves from God. Did we learn that already? That when we, when, we, when we do sin, we separate ourselves from truth, right? So because we separate ourselves from truth and from God, and when we do sin, not, not when, but, but if you do sin, if you do sin, don't forget and don't lose sight that there is one that stands before the throne of God the Father. Actually, he's at his right hand. And you could almost picture him getting up from his throne and saying, Dada, Abba, I know Rigo just messed up and I know he just did that, but I take it for him once again on this one. That is why the cross came. That is why my blood has been shed. That is why have I redeemed him. Father, Father, please.
please, please look past this one. He will repent over this one. He will confess over this one. He will bow his knee. And if he doesn't, trust me, give me time. I'll bring it to his memory to repent. And the father just looks and says, okay, son. And he just sits back down on his throne. I could just picture that scene. I don't know if it goes like that. But in my mind, it goes something like that, right? And the angels are roaring. And, and what's going to happen? What is the father going to say? But John says that if you do sin, then what do you do? Remember Jesus. Because if I do sin, I'm not going to continue to keep my mind on the sin because then I allow the sin to conquer me. But if I do sin, I'm not going to lose focus on the love of Christ for me. Why? Why? I won't say why. Because he stands next to the Father in glory and he's my advocate. He pleads my case. So if I do sin... This is not justification to sin because Paul answers that says, so do I sin in Romans 6 verse 1 so that grace may continue in abounds? Certainly not. That's just, that if I, let me go back because I feel like if I do sin and justify my sin, then it's immaturity and I, don't, I really don't know Jesus. But if I do sin knowing Jesus, then all I have to do is remember that he stands in the gap Remember that in 2018, everything might not be perfect. But if I do mess up in 2018, I have one who stands in the throne for me and he speaks my name to the Father's ear. So if I do mess up in 2018, it's, you know why I'm ready for 2018? Because Jesus stands as my advocate. That's why I'm ready. That's why I'm ready. That's why you're ready. Are you guys with? Can I move on from that? If you do sin, remember Jesus. He's your advocate. He's your public support. And your advocate, everyone say advocate. advocate. He's also your substitutionary, your substitutionary sacrifice. The Bible talks about a word called propitiation. He's your propitiation. He, he says, tag team, I'm in the ring, get out of the ring, I will take this beating for you. He's your substitute. Your substitute. Tutionary sacrifice. He, he, he took your pain, your suffering, your death so that you could have life and be healed and restored in eternity forever to him. So, so this advocate is also this defense of mine. He, he's also my, 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 my substitutionary sacrifice that he offers his own self to the Father, and he says, how does this smell to you? How does this look to you? How does this feel to you? And in the cross, he even said things, said, Lord, Lord, why have you forsaken me? Oh, Lord, pass this cup from me, moments from the cross. He's saying all these things because he's dealing with the pain of humanity. He's dealing with knowing what it's like to be separated from what is holy and from what is true because he himself was separated because he carried all of our sin. And now, now he, he resurrected. And he's at the right hand of the Father. So, when, so, so if we do sin, he says, don't worry. I have that one covered. And I covered it on the cross for you. Because not only am I your advocate who pleads your case, but I've gained the authority of advocate because I first came down as your substitutionary sacrifice. So I speak in power as your advocate because I came first as your offering. What does that mean? I am the high priest and I'm also the lamb of God. Oh my God. Everyone say, don't lose sight. And if you do, remember Jesus. Don't lose sight. 
Now look at the person next to you. And if you do, remember Jesus. Because seriously, what else are you going to do? You're going to continue to remember that sin? You're going to continue to live in it? Where is that going to take you? Don't lose sight. But what happens if I do? I got you covered. Remember. You feel me? Remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. All right. Don't lose sight of the love of Christ. So, so now what is our response to this? What is our response, right? You, you guys remember when I, maybe you were here. There's a lot of new faces here today. But when everyone walked in, we handed you a rock. How many of you still have a rock that we gave you? Some of you threw it out, but some of you still have a rock. Amen. Eli's crazy. Eli walks around everywhere with it in his pocket. Sometimes I'll see him, somebody's like, I got the rock with me. <laughs> I'm like, man, you took that message. Serious, I like that. But I, I, I gave everyone a rock, and I, and I spoke about Jesus, our rock, and I said this. I said that the rock of offense, he became our rock of offense so that then he could become our rock of defense. He took the offense of our sin so that then he could be the defense of our sin. That's, I'm not going to get into that message again, but that's what I mean by advocate, by sacrifice. Don't lose sight of that. He made amends. He makes us right before the Father. How many of you could praise the Lord for that? So, so now because of that, because of this love that Christ has for us, this love that he has for us, don't lose sight of that love that he has for you. What is now our response? What is our response? I want to give you a little, a little sidetrack here because I want to talk to your heart for a moment. What is even your response? I shared this with the Wednesday group. Wednesday group, you already see how this went totally different than, than, our, <laughs> than our Bible study on Wednesday. But, but I, I shared this. I said, what is our response now to even sinners? What is your response to the, because there's a lot of stuff going on right now in the news, right? What is your, what is your response to the, to the sinner, to the terrorist, to the Muslim, to the rapist, to the murderer. You guys know what I'm saying. What is your response? Because automatically as Christians, we automatically, they should just kill them all. We should just drop a bomb on the whole Middle East and end this. Many Christians have said that. We should just, like, kill them all. And maybe that'll so. so <laughs> that's, that's powerful to say those things, right? So what is our response to the sinner? Even if they're rapists, even if they're child molesters, even if they're all these different things that they could be. Isn't it powerful that the scripture teaches us it's not to die and it's not to kill them? Because if we think like that constantly, then it makes us no different from the world. That means the world's heart got into our heart. But our response should be his response. And what is his response? I think this is what our prayer should be. Lord, this is hard for me to pray. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to admit that. Because, man, do I wish something else for them. But deal with my heart. But, Lord, here it is. And this is what I wrote down. Lord, love them. And in that love, save them. You know, that's so powerful. Many of you guys don't like that I say that. But it's okay. Because one day I believe this, and I say this all the time. We're going to go into eternity one day. And I think we're going to see people in there that we thought were going to be in there. And we're going to see people in hell that we thought were going to be in heaven. What do you mean pastor so-and-so didn't make it into the pearly gates? But, but yet, Jeffrey Dahmer becomes an evangelist in jail and asks forgiveness to every single person he murdered and ate. And he began Bible st- I know that's hard for you to hear right now. But yet he started Bible studies in prison. 
and weeped and said, I know I messed up. I, I know I was demented. And like those are crazy. What happens if we have a serial killer in eternity one day? And we have a pastor in hell on that day. Man, I really hope you come back next Sunday. <laughs> I really do. And don't judge my heart. This is the word of God. Because at the end of the day, God loves their soul. And he desired for all humanity is to save them. It is. So we have to be very careful with our heart, my heart. I need to be very careful with my heart. I'm not pointing at you guys. I need to be very careful. Don't lose sight of the love of God. Can you imagine if we live like that? What a world we live in. What a testimony we'd give. What a smell we would put off. Don't lose sight of the love of Christ. Guys, back to this, ready? Where is your focus? Where is your foundation? Where is your joy? And where is your peace rooted in? I'm hoping that if it's not, today you do it. Get it in Jesus Christ and his love for you. Come on. Come on. That's why I said, I'm not trying to be cool. I'm not trying to be anything that I can't be in your life, but I will point you to Jesus who can be everything that you need in your life. What did I say on that Wednesday? I should not even say, uh, that's a more intimate group. We're going to keep that, that, that little thing for Wednesday. The revelation of the love of Christ for us, it produces now obedience. Listen to this because this is kind of where I'm really going to end off the message. And I'm going I'm to stay on this for a second. The revelation of the love of Christ for us produces obedience. Produces obedience now in our loves towards Christ and in Christ. And I believe this. Let's go back to verse 3. Go to verse 3 with me. We'll read 3, 4, 5, and 6 together and then we'll, we'll get into this thought. It says, and we can be sure. How many of you say you know God? Okay. Thank three of you for being faithful and, and <laughs> saying you know God. The rest of you are praying for your salvation today that you would know God. <laughs> All right. Verse 3. It says this. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If anyone or someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments. That person is a liar and is not living in the truth. Five. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That word right there is how mature, mature. It's, it's a love that is mature. It's not a love that has been perfected and it's come to its end. Like, oh, this is, this is, I have perfect love in Jesus. No, it's, I've come to a place of maturity in my love for Christ. Totally different. I'll come to the end when I'm glorified with him. But, but there is a constant maturity in Christ. Yes? Okay, let's keep reading them. It says, but those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. This is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Remember the terrorist that was turning him over? He still bowed down, cleaned his feet, loved them, kissed them, and did everything. We love as Jesus loved. <laughs> That's crazy. I'm talking about Judas. Judas the terrorist. So don't lose sight of this. So, so what do we do now? Notice this verses 3 through 6. I believe that there's a revelation in this love of Christ. That now my life is an obedience to obeying his commandments. I believe this. That, that we, if you want to write this down, write it down in your notes. We live in truth because we live in obedience to our claim. We live in truth because we live in obedience to our claim. The way that we can be sure that we know God. Remember I asked how many of you say you know God? 
the way that we can be sure that we give testimony to God, listen, it's not by having a biblical debate and winning. Because trust me, a lot of you in this room are much smarter than me and will chew me up biblically. But that don't mean you know God. But let's keep going. It doesn't mean that you could debate and beat me. It doesn't mean that you have excessive knowledge. And it's not, by, it's not by proving yourself with works. It's not by giving. And it's not by participating in anything specifically or participating in a certain charity. But the way that I can demonstrate and give testimony that I know God, it is by what? Obeying his commandments. Obedience in a believer. Obedience in a follower is the evidence that one has and has received, has received now this revelation of knowing God. And in knowing God now, I know his love. And that I'm going to get into two weeks from now. So, so now I know God. I know his love. And, and in me, a transformation happened. That would, how do you know there's a transformation in my life? Not because of anything that I say, but because of the way that I live. How do you live? You live in obedience to the word of God. Could say a lot of good things, but yeah, not do a lot of good things. It's by obeying his commandments. Obedience is I got the revelation of his love for me. What is that showing evidence? It is a life in obedience to him. Does everyone understand that? 2018, the year of obedience. 2018, the year of revelation of his love. 2018, our spiritual man becomes alive. 2018, there's a harvest for the inner man. Come on, are you feeling this stuff? I feel So remember this, that what you love and what you cherish most, what you love, someone say love. Love. Someone say cherish. Cherish. That which I love and which I cherish most, I will walk obedient to it. Because if I I say I love someone and yet this, if I say I love you, brother, but then every moment that I get a chance, I backstab you, is that true love? (laughs) No, it's not true love. But if I say I love you, brother, I love you, sister, then my life will display that I love you. How? I'm going to walk in obedience to that love. And part of that love is demonstrated that I'm not going to backstab you when you're not looking. Part of that love is I'm going to be obedient to my friendship to you. So what does that mean in our relationship with the Lord? If I say I know God, if I say I love God, if I say these things, if I love and I cherish him and I say I love and I cherish him the most, then that is what I walk in obedience to. And what does that mean then? That in which I walk in obedience to who I love and cherish most, write this down in notes, is that in which I become a slave and a servant to. Why do you think the apostles would say things like what? I blank, a servant of the Lord. I blank, a slave of the Lord. Or what did Paul say? I, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord. Why would Paul and Peter and John and these apostles say such things? Because they've come to a place where they've said what? I now am his servant, I'm his slave, I'm his prisoner. Why would they do that? Because that's who they love and cherish most. You guys, are, you guys got that? Every point is important as it brings the next point. Don't lose sight. Say it with me. Don't lose sight. Don't lose sight. Verse 4. One more time, verse 4. If someone claims I know God but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person's a liar and is not living in the truth. The person that claims he's son, the person that claims they're a daughter but doesn't live in obedience. The Bible, not me, guys. Not me. Not one time am I saying this. 
but I'm going to put it right back on Jesus' lap. Scripture says that person's a liar. And the scripture says it, that, person, that person does not live in truth. The person that claims they're sons and daughters of the Lord, but yet does not live in obedience, is a liar and does not live in truth. Are you guys understanding that? So if you've been serving the Lord long enough, you know that obedience starts within you before it ever pours out from you. Obedience is going to start with your mind before it ever starts with your actions. I, I, I want to stop treating my wife the way I do. Well, you'll never stop acting like that until you first get your mind right. So when obedience takes place first in the mind, in the heart, and the soul of the man, then your actions will follow from that which your mind, your heart, and your soul have been aligned to. Why do you think scripture says what? To align yourselves to the, to the thoughts of Christ. Let your thoughts be in subjection to his thoughts. Why? Because then if your mind is in obedience, then enough, everything that pours out from you will be in obedience. Why? Because your body will function according to what your mind is telling it to function. My mind right now tells me to move my right hand and it moves my, that's the way the brain works. And when God speaks to our inner being, it's the same way. He's going to transform what's within to then transform what's without. Man. Hear my heart, Lord. Hear my heart. Man, it's good. So here we go. We're going to wrap it up. If you've been serving the Lord, you know that. Verse 5, let's just let's, let's do this because I want to read 1 Samuel real quick. Verse 5 is beautiful. Everyone look at verse 5 one more time. But those who obey God's word, isn't this beautiful? Positive, some positive stuff. Truly show how completely, how mature they love him. This is how we know we're living in him. Those who say they live in God should live what? Their lives as Jesus did. What happened? You guys scared to read it? Your love is complete. Everyone say, my love is complete. Say, say this, my love is mature, so good, when I'm fully devoted to him. Oh, man, praise God. Someone who has access, turn it on. Hallelujah. Your love is complete when I'm fully devoted. How many of you can say amen to that? So, so in return, because of what he first showed and displayed to me, there's a complete love in, in that. Him towards how many of you know before you ever can show a complete love towards him, he first showed a mature and complete love towards you. And because of that, now I live in obedience. Now we are called to live fully devoted to him. Five and six says, I'll read verse six now. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So now we're living in him, and it means that that we're living in what? If we live in Jesus, we live in what? Truth. We live in Jesus, now we live in what? We live in truth. If we live in Jesus, well, now we live in truth. You got that? So if I live in Jesus, <clears throat> now I live in truth. So now we live our lives just as Jesus did. So I live my lives in truth as Jesus is truth. So what does truth look like? Well, go back to verse 7 and 8. Those are the last two verses. Dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it's an old one that you have from the beginning. This is the old commandment to love one another. It is the same message that you've always heard. Yet, it's also new to you because there's a revelation of Jesus now, so it's new to you. Obviously, this is speaking during a time where it was a new revelation of Jesus the Messiah to the listener. So listen, it's also new to you that Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you also are living in it. For darkness is disappearing, and the true light is already shining. 
This is so powerful because what does this truth look like? We love one another. Jesus lived in this truth of love. So now we're called to also love like Jesus loved. Why do you think when the lawyer came up to Jesus and he said, teacher, teacher, what is the greatest commandment of all the commandments that you've ever taught and spoken of? He says, oh, it's easy. It's just like this. What do you think it is? What does he start with? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, and your soul. And the second one is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Love. It is so, it's so powerful that that is exactly what he gives as an answer. The reason why he gives that is because he's showing us, he's showing us that now you live the way I lived in truth. What does this world really lack? Love. It's love. Can we come in agreement? It's love. It's love. Let's bomb them all. Let's kill all the Muslims. That's not love of Christ. Let's go over there and kill Rocket Man. That's not the love of Christ. Let, we could say all these different sayings. None of those are the love of Christ. But when we begin to bow down to our knees and we begin to fast and pray for the lost in this world, maybe we'll start seeing nations come back to Christ. But instead, we live in a form of Christianity of no love. Judgment. So what does Jesus say? The greatest is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor. He goes even deeper than love your neighbor. So what do I do with my enemies? (laughs) You love your enemies. You love your enemies. Why? Because love what? I feel like turning to 1 Corinthians. Love bears all things. Come on, let's go to it. Love bears. You know what my memory starts saying all the things I love is? Love what? Love bears all things. Love is kind. Love is patient. Love heals. Love is love. Why do I have to love you with all? Why do I have to love my enemy? Because love is the answer to all of humanity. And there is no love outside of God's love. That is truth and true love. And that's what this world is missing. What are you called to be in 2018? To live in obedience. What does that look like? You love just like Jesus loves. How do you get to that place? By never Losing sight of Christ's love for you. Because if you really knew what a sinner you were and how much of hell you did deserve, you'll never let go of that Jesus that saved you from hell. Am I the only sinner that knew I was going to hell? I felt like I got scared there for a moment. All of you looked at me and said, whoa. How can I let go of that love? Isn't this awesome? Verse by verse, word by word, God's truth is complete. So good. Love one another. All right, here we go. Um, I want to read um, 1 Samuel 15, and then um, the worship team could start coming up, and then you could um, go celebrate the New Year's. Be safe today. Be loving today. Don't go to the bottle. Go to Jesus. Whoever that was for during worship. (laughs) Where am I going? 1 Samuel. Thank you, Lord, for this church, for the freedom to speak your word. Martin Luther, who, who I'm, I'm growing to, to honor and love him even more. I know, he's a, I know he's dead, but I still honor his words, his works, his writing. I'm reading an amazing biography on Martin Luther, and the more I read it, the more I'm like, oh, my gosh, this guy. I understand what he's going. Like, he's just amazing. But um, I want to share something about Martin Luther. I want to share his view 
um, during his battle with Rome, if you knew Martin Luther was a monk, and um, he was a man of the cloth, and, and basically <clears throat> he started to read the scriptures and, and recognize that, that there was a lot of things wrong um, with the Catholic Church of his time. And because of that, he was going to come against it. And the way he was going to come against it is by just writing the truths and defending them. But there was, a, there was a constant struggle. I can't just tell you that Martin Luther stapled something into a door and everything just changed. There was a struggle before. There was a struggle during. There was a struggle after. There were things that happened that it wasn't even part of Martin Luther's thoughts or plans for it to happen to bring forth the Reformation. But you, you have to really get into his life. I don't have time to go into all that. But he does say something very powerful that deals with my message here. And he says this, Luther, the, the author of this book that I'm reading, he says, Luther was trying to call the church back to its, back to its true roots. To a biblical idea of a merciful God, listen to this, who did not demand that we obey, but first, that we do, that, oh man. He wanted the church to go back to its roots, to a biblical idea of a merciful God who did not demand that we obey, but who first loved us and first made us righteous before he ever expected us to obey and be righteous ourselves. So before we ever live in righteousness and in obedience, he first wants you to know his love. And in that love, it'll cause you to live righteous and in obedience. That's what Martin Luther was message. He was like, Stop, church, stop trying to show works to show that you are this godly person. When in the end, it's all hypocrisy. How about just come to know Christ's love? And in that, let him change your works. Isn't that our truth of our gospel? So 1 Samuel 15, I've preached this so many times that I almost felt like not getting into it. But just to, as a reminder, Saul was the king of the Israelites and he was told to kill the Amalekites. But there's just like three, four main verses that I want to share with you. So I won't get into the whole story. <clears throat> but he, he was told by the prophet and by God, destroy all the Amalekites. Don't leave nothing behind. Be obedient. Do as I command. So Saul being Saul, he felt it different. He said, well, maybe it's a good idea. I, maybe when you, when you live distant from truth, you start to believe things that are not true. So you start lying to yourselves. Maybe God really didn't mean for me to kill the king. Maybe God really didn't mean for me to kill all the sheep and all the goat and slaughter all the animals. No, go back to the truth and you'll recognize that he told you to destroy it all. So when you live away from Christ, from truth, you start to believe lies that were never given to you by the Lord. So watch what happens here. Verse 10. So then the Lord said to Samuel, who's the prophet, I'm so sorry. This is so sad to be said about you. I am so sorry that I have ever made Saul king. I, I, will, I will be devastated because I am so sorry that I made Regal the pastor of that church. Can you imagine how scared that is? For he has not been loyal to me and he has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved, the prophet, not Saul, Samuel, when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night in prayer. He, he began to intercede for King Saul. What a heart. He didn't say it's true, strike him dead. But he had the heart of God. No, no, I'll pray for him. So early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. And someone told him Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Not even to God. What a great victory. I just beat all the Amalekites. I should make a monument of myself. I think I deserve it. 
be careful with be careful with always wanting to be recognized for something good that you did congratulations you did something good give God the glory stop wanting someone to give you a monument because that is now an evidence that you did it for the wrong reason you should not even have done it I mean we appreciate that you did it but you should not have done it so when Samuel finally found him Saul greeted him cheerfully mind you Saul's like Samuel we won and Samuel's like God woke me up last night So I greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I've carried out the Lord's command. Then look what Samuel says. Then what is the bleeding of all the sheep and goats? And the lowing of cattle I hear. I hear moos and I hear ah, and I hear all kinds of noises. And those aren't your sheep and your cattle. I thought God told you to destroy them all. It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle, so I admitted but they're going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. For we've destroyed everything else. Isn't that powerful? And who told you, Saul, that God wanted an offering from your disobedience? And who told you, Saul, that the leftover of your sin, well, then I'll just give it to God now. Who told you that that's going to be a sweet smelling aroma to him? Disobedience is, is disobedience to the Lord. Man was saw in for an awakening, huh? We've destroyed everything else. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop and listen to what the Lord has told me last night. What did he tell you? And Samuel said, although you may have think little of yourself, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribe of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king over Israel and the Lord sent you on a mission and he told you to go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites until they are dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush from the plunder and do, not, and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag and I destroyed everything else. And my troops brought the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, plunder to sacrifice to the Lord, your God, and Gigal. But Samuel said, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen. Everyone say listen. Listen. So much more dramatic. Obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than your offering Tito sister brother don't drummer don't you even dare to go up there and give an offering if your life is not in obedience because he cares more about their obedience than their offering. Hear my heart, Lord. What good is this if there's no good in this? Come on. Don't lose sight. Because then we become religious. And we lose on relationships. Then we become legalistic. And we lose out on intimacy. Oh, 
the Lord is pleased, the Lord is glorified with true obedience, not traditional or disobedient sacrifice. True love for God would have brought forth full obedience, which to the Lord is the offering and the sacrifice that he desires from us. One pastor says, you express love by obedience. So you guys understand that? I hope so. Because the offering and the sacrifice that God wants is not a gift or a talent. God gave it to you, so it's good. But that's, he gave it to you. He doesn't want it. He's like, it's yours. Enjoy it. So right now, there's a beautiful piano player. I mean, he's good looking. When I said beautiful, I didn't mean like his face. He's a handsome young man. I can say that as a man. He's a handsome young man. But he's also a great piano player. We have another handsome older man. But he's a guitar player. We have a handsome drummer. I respect Betsy and her husband's. Pretty, pretty musician, pretty singer. But at the end of the day, they're going to sing a song right now. And the Lord is not honored in that. And doesn't receive that offering if their lives are not in obedience. Because at the end of the day, what he really desires from this handsome group of musicians and singers is, is live in obedience. And then Give me an offering. Give me a sacrifice. How do I get there? Don't ever lose sight. How many of you can say amen? Can you stand with me? Oh. Thank you, Jesus. Um, if there's someone here maybe you need prayer maybe you just need to confess maybe you, you just say I want to come back to him so I just need prayer and I, I just want someone to pray with me we'll be willing to do that but that's not your answer necessarily right now your answer is just coming remember Jesus go back to Jesus but but if you do want us to pray with you and for you we're going to open up the altar if you want to come up come up and we'll pray for you and we'll ask you, what, what, what exactly do you want us to pray for? But this is what I want. If you need no prayer, and you heard this message, and it struck home, and you know what's asked of you, and you need to, you need to just get to that place, just surrender yourself right there. Get lost with Him. And don't ever lose sight of it again. And let, let that happen right there where you're at. But the altar is open and you could come up to the front and we'll pray for you if you need prayer. But if you're good and you just want to get right with God right there, come on. Let's sing this song one more time to the Lord. And let's get our hearts right as we end 17 and as we enter 2018. Let's do it right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.